Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. That's where we're like, okay, let's try out this crazy idea of paying all of our employees the exact same rate, uh, including ourselves once it came to paying ourselves. Uh, and then it kind of went from there of like, okay, well, we have equity in the company. Uh, so what would make it fair is to give our employees equity um, based on like how long they've been with us and whatnot. So uh, we're implementing that as well. And we just kind of went down the list and uh, looked at pricing and it's like, okay, well, typically companies price at a certain price to, uh, you know, make a certain percentage with wholesale and then uh, leave a little bit to where they can ha offer discounts. Uh, so the product moves faster and whatnot. And we're like, okay, well, we don't like making those decisions. Because uh, essentially, it's um, telling the customer what they're paying, uh, rather than letting them choose. So we implemented a sliding scale on our, our uh, website um, for uh, essentially, like within reason of uh, kind of covering our costs, customers choose what price they want to pay for our products. And um, all of this thought process went into what became the Mad Optimist. And um, we worked with a, uh, a design agency who, uh, kind of joined the team and, and, uh, basically we were able to, uh, what really helped us with that is we were able to clearly lay out to them all of these feelings we had and, um, kind of all of these values that we hold as a company. And, uh, that allowed everything to be distilled down. And, um, when it came down to it, the, the words, the mad optimist really just fit very well. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Anthony, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thanks for so much for having me on. <laughs> yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So I actually came across your story because I, I wrote into you guys or somebody on my team did uh, about having you guys potentially advertise on the podcast and uh, was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised to learn that you guys, of all things, are building a soap company, which is so different from anything anybody does in the modern world where everybody is building apps and, you know, uh, services and that kind of stuff. But before we get into uh, how in the world you started building a soap company, uh, I want to start by asking you, what did your parents do for a living and what impact did that end up having on the choices that you've made with your life and your career? Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's a pretty deep question. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my mom has always, uh, I'm from Southern Indiana myself. So a uh, small town. Um, my mom uh, has always worked in factories as a, as a line worker. Um, so you could say working class family. Um, my dad left, uh, uh, my mom and dad split up when I was young and I, I lived with my mom. Uh, and then she, uh, she remarried and, uh, uh, my stepdad, uh, for many years, he was my stepdad anyway. Um, he, uh, was a construction road construction. So, uh, very solidly working class family and how it's affected me. I mean, uh, I know some people with working class families see it as, uh, uh, like they were missing out on something. Um, I always kind of thought of myself more as a middle class and I always wanted to go beyond. I know uh, just seeing my my mom in particular work so hard on like uh, giving me and my sisters uh, like a good childhood. Uh, I knew I wanted to do something with that. Uh, I've always, so I, from a young age, I was always adamant that I would be the first one to go to college um, and my mom, of course, wanted that, uh, but she also wanted to instill, uh, you know, you know, reasonable expectations. She's like, "Well, that costs a lot of money. You might want to think of this." And I, I kept, I was always like, "No, I'm going to go to college and make it happen." Um, and I think uh, that kind of propelled me forward. Um, just kind of uh, starting with just the, the hard work they did and uh, making something of that in the future. And I did end up going to college and. Uh, thankfully, I was able to get a full ride scholarship, um, and I went to Indiana University, and um, the story kept going from there. Mm. Yeah, you know, I wonder about two things. Uh, you know, your mother passes on this message uh, about having reasonable expectations, and yet you still had the audacity to dream. And I wonder what was it that allowed for that. Um, I think that's just uh, my uh, tendency to. Uh, just kind of look at the world around me and uh, envision what I want it to be. Uh, so um, I knew that um, at the time I was actually pretty, 
pretty down on the idea of like working in a factory. I was like, oh, I'm never going to work in a factory. And it was maybe it was partially a reaction against that. Um, I, I've kind of evolved since then. I see kind of value in uh, whatever anyone's doing. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do want to clarify though. Uh, she, she wasn't necessarily wanting me not to have a vision. I think she thought that's what I needed. Uh, if, if maybe I needed to be pushed um, later, uh, for example, uh, I think she's encouraging my sisters to go to college. Um, I think she was just kind of responding to, okay, you're very adamant, but just realize that this is what needs to be done. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes the world doesn't work in your favor. Um, and, uh, yeah, my reaction against that, uh, was just me very much. So being like, okay, uh, I see what you're saying, but many things are possible. Uh, I, I read a lot. I was like avid fantasy sci-fi novel reader, um, but also read like just tons of stuff about science and, uh, many subjects. I tend to get myself interested in things, uh, and just being exposed to all of that information, all of those worldviews, um, just outside of your typical like television consumption, um, just made me uh, kind of gave me fuel for um, making what I wanted to happen happen. Mm-hmm. That ability to look at the world and believe that you could shape it to your own liking. Uh, is that something that you think was just deeply embedded in you at an early age and, and has it changed with time? Has it evolved? And how do other people develop that if they don't believe they have it? Sure. Uh, well, I could say it's, it's been kind of a, an on again, off again thing. So it's always kind of in my core, um, but how well it comes out at any moment, <laughs> it's kind of dependent on the situation. I guess it's the same with anyone. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was de- embedded at an early age and um, honestly, this is the first time I'm talking about this like this, so um, please bear with me. But I uh, know it's it's a great concept, and actually something that uh, uh, I've been struggling with lately is kind of bringing that back to the fore and um, letting that you know enhance how I'm approaching the business even more. So, so it's uh, it's great that this is coming up again. Um, uh, I think it, it. So one in my in my younger age, what helped was like I said, kind of exposing myself to different worldviews, ideas. So uh, I, I read a lot. I didn't j- just stick with your typical kind of views of reality. I mean, I, I strayed into some really odd subjects just because they interested me. Um, uh, and so that was a good base. Um, but I don't know if that's sustainable. Uh, but it, it, that's a good place to start. Just kind of be like, okay, this is what you currently see the world as. Uh, but what are some other options? What are some other worldviews? Uh, and don't limit yourself. Uh, like we're always all learning, uh, so you might as well take an active approach in that. Um, and that, like I said, that helped me and continues to help me. Um, uh, lately, what I've noticed is um, you have you have to be able to apply that to other people. So um, not just like learning from like research and reading and uh, consuming, but learning from uh, like listening to other people as if they were essentially a self help book. Like uh, because. Um, we're all kind of in this together. And if you take that approach of, okay, um, everyone essentially knows more than you, not to like ding yourself, but to uh, just like constantly learn from other people. um, That's something that I'm kind of internalizing right now of uh, it's easy to get stuck in your like, okay, this is what I know. Uh, I've, I've learned this or I've experienced this. And uh, if what you say doesn't match how I've seen things in the past, then uh, I'm going to ignore you. Uh, and uh, I, I like to say that that's not my typical mindset, but I do, I, I have noticed myself kind of get into that a little bit. So um, just taking a step back and be like, okay, I can learn from anyone. Um, and and just be very genuine with that, I would say. So don't just take it of, of like, oh, okay, what you're saying is wrong, but I'll I'll take something out of it. Just truly like absorb whatever someone else has to offer you and I think you'd be truly like really surprised on what you learn. Um, it can be maybe difficult uh, and more difficult than just like isolating yourself and uh, kind of creating viewpoints uh, from uh, what you consume or, or thinking internally. But um, I, I think it can bring you far. Hmm. Uh, what did you learn about work ethic from uh, somebody like your mom who worked in a factory and, and what misperception do you think people have about blue collar workers, particularly those who didn't grow up in that kind of an environment? 
Um, okay, so let's see. Misperceptions on work ethic of blue collar workers. Just kind of thinking about this a little bit. Um, so I think a lot of people might have, so now that we're in the age of Trump, uh, there might be a lot of uh, negativity towards uh, blue collar workers um, in association with like voting patterns. Um, uh, but even before that, I think there's this idea of uh, they, they just don't like think enough beyond their means or, or they've allowed themselves to get stuck. And, and really, it's just a, a matter of, uh, you know, having the drive to go beyond that. And I think uh, there might be some of that. Um, definitely, that's not the case with my mom. My mom, uh, it, sometimes it's just like a situation. So um, my mom had kids and needed to be raised. And um, she wanted to do like a great job with that, such that we didn't even think of ourselves as a working class family. Like literally in high school, I, I was like, oh no, we're middle class. But like, obviously that's not the case. And uh, my mom worked very hard to make that illusion. Um, so it's a matter of, I, I think it's different people do want different things out of life. And so her main thing was having a good life for her kids. Now, if she had pursued like different types of career and education, um, could she have done that? Uh, sure. Although she was starting from maybe uh, a disadvantaged place. Um, so I could easily see that. Um, uh, personally, I think that she did the best job she could given what she had. And um uh, and it is great to um, absolutely have like the mindset of anything is possible, uh, uh, but you also have to kind of look at okay, this is the like this is how the world is at the moment, and kind of take a look at what the limits are, um, so you know like where you most need to apply pressure or you know apply imagination, I guess, to make something different happen. And for her, that that main thing was um, providing for her kids. And and she did that like in flying colors. And I think if you took a closer look at a lot of working like blue collar families, um, you probably see that pattern again. Like maybe um, maybe someone in the family, like like the the parents or whatnot, don't necessarily want to become famous or or like publish books. Like maybe that's not their interest. But if you take a close look um, at maybe like the more successful examples of those families that those people are pursuing their dreams and, and many are succeeding. They're just different dreams. Uh, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so walk me through how in the world you get from college to starting a soap company of all things. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's a kind of a simple story, I guess. So, um, went to college, um, uh, needed a place to stay. So, um, I rented a room uh, with uh, someone, uh, Muhammad M. Mahdi, uh, and uh, uh, just became roommates and stuck around. And so um, stuck around even after graduating. I got a job with the same university that I went to. Um, uh, but soon after uh, getting that job, uh, like it, of course, we had to become friends by that time. Uh, so uh, yeah, got a roommate, became friends with the roommate. Um, and then, uh, the roommate's brother moved in as well. His name is also Muhammad, Muhammad A. Um, and, uh, basically we just like trying things out. So, um, it's kind of that exploration mindset. We always kind of think of like, okay, how does the world work? Um, how is this thing done? Um, like, uh, like how exactly do sewage systems work? I mean, it's a little odd and nerdy, but, um, uh, that's kind of like, really fun for us is figuring out how things work, trying things out. And so one day it's just kind of like, uh, uh, we needed soap. So we just sat on the couch, pulled up the computer and like, okay, well, how is soap made? And, uh, uh, and then we're like, okay, well we can do this. We, we went around town, um, got some ingredients and tested it out. And then, uh, we really just got into this intense phase of like testing and experimentation, uh, making tons and tons of soap. Uh, and again, maybe that's just like the combined results of our, our personalities of, uh, we like to like really explore something, get it right. Uh, and then we had what looked like to be about 200 years worth of soap 
uh, between us. And we're like, well, let's try selling it. Um, uh, and really, that was very quick. This was all within a month. Um, so we moved quickly. <laughs> and uh, so we're like, okay, well, let's figure out how a business is started and started selling at farmers markets and then uh, selling to local stores and just kind of growing and growing. And uh, a few months later, we rented a, a production location and it's just been kind of a gradual progression since then. Hmm. <clears throat> that uh, curiosity and that innate sort of capacity to explore like most people who are out of soap wouldn't think, you know, let's look at online and look at how to make soap and start making it. Why do you think you guys have that in particular? Um, what has enabled you to maintain it throughout your life? And what would you tell people who feel that they don't have that anymore? Um, I would say, I mean, it's one of those difficult things. It's kind of like always instill a sense of questioning. Um, and uh, sometimes questioning can be hard, but um, it always opens things up. So like, it's really easy to get stuck in like this day to day. Uh, okay. You, you go about your schedule, you work or whatnot and you come home and rest and uh, rinse and repeat. And then it's weekend and you like relax. Um, but it, it, there is something really beneficial into like, to always being able to question, um, like instill like a curiosity in things. So most people might not be curious as to how soap made, how soap is made, for example. Um, but if you just like let yourself just like question things for a minute, uh, it can open things up. So it's like, it's almost like childlike, like a, a child might look up at a power power line and be like, okay, well, where do these power lines come from? What are they made of? Like, how does this all interconnect? Like how, where does the electricity come from? Um, uh, if you can like instill that, I mean, it's it's easy to say like, oh, childlike wonder. But if you can like exercise that and uh, allow yourself to experience moments like that, like it can open things up. For us, it opened up a business <laughs> that we're uh, currently operating. Um, uh, but it's, I mean, it, it opens up other things as well. I mean, within the business, we do that sort of questioning um, and it allows us to kind of create things, implement things that we wouldn't otherwise think of. Um, so I would say just however you can, like allow yourself to question everything, not as a result of maybe skepticism, uh, but as a result of like uh, just bringing a little bit of wonder back into your life um, and just doing that as often as you can think of it. Hmm. Uh, so of all the things you could have started a business in, this is like as out there as it gets, right? You know, people are building apps, people are building social networks, and you guys decide to tackle something that's a hundred, you know, hundreds of years old. And, you know, the people who you're up against are basically the sort of behemoths of the industry. Uh, what made you think that, hey, you know what? We can go make something of this. Like that's audacity. Right. So, I mean, at first it wasn't even, uh, we didn't even address those things. Uh, like at the very first, we were just making some soap and then, you know, we were just seeing how the soap sold. Uh, we, we allowed it to be, I mean, maybe it wasn't the best business plan <laughs> looking back, uh, but, uh, we allowed it to be what we wanted it to be. So, uh, we were just exploring, learning. We weren't being like, okay, what is this amazing business that we can start right now? and sell it in a few years and make millions of dollars. It was more so um, allowing ourselves to try something out and then allowing ourselves to, uh, you know, turn that into a business. Some, a lot of people don't make that step. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be an app, but um, definitely in this world, like side streams of income are, are like, like very helpful. So um uh, a lot we allowed ourselves to take the step uh, and then kind of went from there. I mean, we didn't have experience in chemistry. Uh, we didn't have business backgrounds. We all were liberal arts majors. Like I, I majored in linguistics. Uh, the other two guys uh, were psychology and political science. Uh, so uh, we, we kind of knew that we didn't know what we were doing essentially, and and went with that because essentially no one ever really knows what they're doing. Just some people convince themselves that they do. So uh, we allowed it to evolve and be what it was. And now like over the years, we've 
kind of changed and we have started tackling these concepts of, oh, we're going up against some really big guys. It's a, it's an, it's not your typical, like, uh, you know, tech startup. Um, initially it wasn't even a tech startup, but we've kind of turned it into that, uh, more recently. Um, so we kind of, we just went with a, a genuine organic idea, uh, flowed with it and, uh, uh, like allowed the changes as they came and like, uh, and are still currently just doing our best to um, make the best of all the changes and and uh, expand our vision uh, along the way and not get stuck into any one idea of who we are or, or like uh, who we could be. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah. Tell me about the, the first time you guys made soap. Uh, well, it was in the kitchen. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, we just made, I believe, just one pound of soap. It came, comes out to about like eight or 10 bars, um, pretty small bars. And uh, I believe, uh, yeah, we, we were just trying out uh, some instructions online, but we, we can't let that be. We, we changed a lot of things. Uh, we came up with our own like formula for just the first recipe. We didn't want to use anyone else's formula. Um, so just testing things out right away. I think, um, if I remember correctly, we we thought we messed it up. Uh, it seemed like the soap wasn't acting like how other people were saying it should. Um, and uh, we were worried because if you don't make soap properly, um, like there will be lye left over, which can burn the skin. Uh, so we were nervous. We thought we messed it up, but we put it in a mold. Um, put it away uh, and then came back to it and then uh, tested it 
uh, to make sure that the soap was finished and safe. And it was. Um, and uh, we tested it out. And at first we were a little like cautious as like, uh, like oh, uh, we're not sure about this natural soap. Like, does it really clean or, uh, uh, you know, and or whatnot. But we tested it and, and it was amazing. Like, uh, like we were like, wow, how could we have ever like used any soap, but the soap, uh, how do people use like these big, these big uh, bulk, uh, uh, very cheap soaps when, um, like it's something very like integral to you, like you're washing your skin and, um, like you have to live with the choices. And like, I realized that every day, like for like most of my adult life, I would feel slightly itchy after taking a shower. And I thought that was the hot water or just, you know, something that happened, but no, it was the soap I was using. The soap, um, uh, like made it so I wasn't itchy at all. So, um, discovered that, um, uh, it was only a little later that we realized that the way that we had made that soap and, and thereafter continued making soap, uh, we had actually invented our own method of making soap to where the soap is safe and ready to use the same day. Um, we later realized that most soap takes about four to six weeks to be safe and ready to use. Um, and so that was a big realization for us, uh, kind of stumbled upon that. Um, and since then we've, uh, begun utilizing and, and like, uh, uh, making that beneficial for the business. But, uh, yeah, that was a really interesting experience. No, I mean, you guys then suddenly decided to start selling. You said you went to farmer's markets. I mean, how did, how did you guys start selling it? And, uh, where in the world did you guys come up with the name of the Mad Optimist? Uh, so, uh, I mean, that kind of, that, that was a bit of a journey. We didn't start with the Mad Optimist. Uh, we actually went through a few different, uh, names, um, Along the way, we realized that we're not the best branders and uh, ourselves and designers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just uh, we came up with some packaging, um, uh, brought it to like came up with a really nice like booth design. Like we, we were very meticulous. Like at the time, the branding was kind of all about all natural, um, which later we realized that that's just kind of uh, that's a given in in our market of all natural body care. Um, but we, we went with it. We had the burlap and the greens and the earth tones, um, did a really intricate like wooden displays and brought them to these farmer's markets. And the other farmer's market people would be like, what's going on with you guys? Why does it take you an hour and a half to set up your booth? Um, uh, and that was just kind of our mindset. If we're going to do it, let's do it the best we can and you know, present something really great to the, the attendees and the customers. Um, and it just went from there. I mean, we uh, started doing markets weekly in the area. Um, and soon after, uh, we, we reached out to some uh, stores, uh, like local stores, like uh, co-ops and whatnot who sell local products and um, got our products into those stores. Along the way, there was a lot of work involved, label design. We realized that to be in stores, uh, we needed uh, barcodes, which at the time was uh, a bit more difficult to get than it is now. but. Uh, uh, we made it happen. Uh, we 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 made a, a website more as a placeholder. Um, we figured we could tell people where to find our products and and sell it as like a side thing. And that went on for a few years. We expanded pretty, uh, you could say, pretty rapidly. Although, like for us, it didn't feel like it at the time. It wasn't enough. Uh, we um, uh, we sold uh, throughout Indiana. Did a lot of markets. Got into like. Uh, some local chains. So we're in, uh, well over 50, 60 stores. Um, but we're finding that, uh, we invested a lot into the back end, the production, we could make thousands of bars at a time, um, and, and whatnot, but the sales just weren't there. Now, uh, we're not super, we weren't great at like the, the branding and design side, like I mentioned, although we did make a, like a big point in making our products really high quality. Uh, we, we used only like all natural ingredients um, all we made our products vegan, um, halal, um, because uh, uh, that's essentially like the, the the Muslim version of kosher, because um, uh, all three of us are, are Muslims, uh, and uh, gluten free because we had customers saying that their skin was sensitive, and we just quickly switched over our ingredients, contacted our suppliers, made it gluten free, uh, non GMO. So we were really sticking to some really strict quality standards. Like uh, we we use hair nets when producing our stuff, just because. We kind of think about, well, 
uh, we treat it like food. Like if we were having a bar of soap in our hands, how would we want it to be made? And that's how we made it. So um, we're kind of coming up against like, we were getting into these local stores and the quality was amazing, but uh, we were getting into the stores because we were local uh, and, and that, that was great, but it wasn't enough to really sustain us. Like we weren't paying ourselves uh, and, and we needed to look further. So um, we, we kind of stepped back uh, and uh, took a look at what we did differently and how we could uh, do something differently for the market. Cause at this point we're starting to look at like how you mentioned, like, there are these big players. There's not only like the big, huge, like Dial, Dove, and whatnot. There, there's like people in the middle level. There's other all natural, uh, like bar soaps and body care companies. So what are we doing that's different? I mean, are we know <laughs> internally from what we're able to tell, our products are the best. But um, that's one thing. It's it's getting it to the customers. So um, we realized that with our way of making soap, we have this ability that no one else is doing of making soap, allowing you to design a soap that you want and us being able to make as few as one bar and ship it out within just a few days. Uh, and that was kind of a, a game changer as kind of coming to that realization. Um, yeah, the cost, like the labor and whatnot per bar is higher, um, but we have the capability of providing that and still uh, making a profit. So uh, we essentially tested that out for a, a little over a year. Um, we launched uh, like uh, like a 1.0 of the like the personalized uh, bar soap concept, um, and uh, got a little bit of traction. Um, we got mentioned uh, like in some a few national publications, um, and uh, but but the growth was still kind of slow, and we realized that uh, uh, to really get this concept out there, uh, we need to communicate who we are as a company and. Um, I never really got to that uh, aspect, um, but uh, at our core, we, and, and me and the, uh, the other two co-founders, um, we we don't really like the way that business is typically done. Uh, like we, we don't like uh, manipulating customers. We uh, we don't like presenting something different than it is. Uh, we want to we want to be a benefit to our customers and to the world, um, and. And so we were kind of running up against like, oh, well, uh, for the longest time, we didn't email our customers because we didn't want to bother them. Uh, and, and it's kind of, uh, I laugh at it now because it's kind of naive. I mean, uh, but that's kind of our thought process. And, and so um, we really needed to think of a way uh, of presenting all of this. And uh, so we kind of, uh, uh, along the way, uh, we... So I'll put that on the shelf for a second. Uh, along the way, we did uh, we attended a, a startup accelerator uh, as a result of launching this personalized uh, bar soap concept uh, in Cincinnati called the Brandery. Um, and then uh, it was kind of through that experience of being in that accelerator, we realized that what we were doing was we were going from being a like a like a local uh, soap company uh, uh, into a uh, essentially what we call a tech enabled startup. Um, we're, uh, we're building this platform online where people can build a product, uh, which would, which, which, which we didn't make for them. Uh, uh, but essentially it boils down to the tech side of it. Um, and so that we were kind of changing our mindset, uh, and kind of seeing how, uh, like, uh, investment is done, changing the company, uh, to make it, uh, you know, where we can, uh, get invest investment and, um, we realized we needed to also learn that a lot about our customers. We needed to see like who is our customer, um, why do they like us, and and go from there. And so um, we did some surveys, and what we found was our customers liked who we are and and why we were doing what we were doing. Uh, many of them had never even tried all natural bar soap before, um, but. They tried ours, they loved it, and they stuck with us. But they tried ours because they liked our story. They like us, you know, we're three Muslims. We're, uh, you know, trying to make the world a better place uh, through our company. Um, we didn't start a, like a, a nonprofit. We want to provide like a product um, that is of value and, and good quality, improves people's lives, um, uh, such that like, some people who have, haven't, haven't been able to use like soap for 20 years were able to use our soap 
and 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 their skin is all the better for it. Um, for example, or providing soap to people who have gluten sensitivities and can't use regular soaps. And so all of that fueled us. And so when we saw that that's really what our customers connected with, uh, that's when we sat down and kind of made a manifesto, essentially, like, okay, this is what we don't like about business, uh, you know, and marketing and whatnot. Uh, and here's what we do differently. So uh, we have been struggling with the concept, for example, of, you uh, you know, what do we pay our employees? You know, uh, uh, we're, we were still not paying ourselves, uh, but we needed to have some sort of like justification for employees. And then in projections uh, for like uh, the future, like uh, uh, what are we uh, like, what would we pay this employee versus this employee to get investment? And uh, that was one thing we were like, well, that doesn't make sense. So uh, if everyone in the business is invested in the business, uh, why wouldn't everyone just be paid equally? Um, granted, uh, that means that each person needs to kind of take uh, ownership and control of their area and have a say in the business. But um, uh, that's where we're like, okay, let's try out this crazy idea of paying all of our employees the exact same rate, uh, including ourselves once it came to paying ourselves. Uh, and then it kind of went from there of like, okay, well, we have equity in the company. Uh, so what would make it fair is to give our employees equity. Um, based on like how long they've been with us and whatnot. So uh, we're implementing that as well. And we just kind of went down the list and uh, looked at pricing and it's like, okay, well, typically companies price at a certain price to, uh, you know, make a certain percentage with wholesale and then uh, leave a little bit to where they can ha offer discounts. Uh, so the product moves faster and whatnot. And we're like, okay, well, we don't like making those decisions because uh, essentially it's um, telling the customer, what they're paying uh, r rather than letting them choose. So we implemented a sliding scale on our, our uh, website um, for uh, essentially like within reason of uh, kind of covering our costs, customers choose what price they want to pay for our products. And um, all of this thought process went into what became the Mad Optimist. And um, we worked with a, uh, a design agency who uh, kind of joined the team and, and uh, basically, we were able to, uh, what really helped us with that is we were able to clearly lay out to them all of these feelings we had and um, kind of all of these values that we hold as a company. And uh, that allowed everything to be distilled down. And um, when it came down to it, the, the words, the mad optimist really just fit very well. Yeah. Well, I think the, the thing that I appreciate about this is that, um, you know, you guys have placed your, your values uh, front and center above everything else, like before profit, before finances. Um, not that those things don't matter, but you're making largely values driven decisions. And, you know, even in the face of having gone through an incubator where you haven't, I, I don't know if you've taken an investment or not, but um, why do you think that's not more common? Like, why are those not put front and center? And why are the metrics often prioritized over the values in so many cases? Um, well, I mean, just from my point of view, I, I think uh, I think it can be harder um, to go with just values, especially because that's how everything is structured at the moment. Um, or, or at least a lot of things seem to be structured in such a way to value metrics more so. Um, and, and I can see that. I mean, uh, we're you still need to have a team that can execute and, and an idea that um, like at least functionally that customers want and will pay for um, on, on that level. Um, uh, but it, 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 it is harder and, and less obvious. So, so like if you're, if you need investment and to this point we have not taken uh, other than the, the accelerators investment amount, we have not taken investment, although we're looking at that at the moment. Um, uh, but uh I would say it's easier to get investment essentially if you can prove that the investor is going to make money. And that's just kind of how it works. An investor invests uh, rather than investing in stocks or, uh, you know, CDs or what have you. They, they're investing in a startup to ultimately make money. Now, there are like other people, angels and whatnot, who might invest more on a values uh, driven uh, concept. Uh, and that's. Uh, and those people are out there. Uh, it's just a matter of like finding them, and um, uh, maybe a like a point of that, that community can be developed even more so. Um, 
but uh, if you're just looking at like return on investment, I can see how that uh, would be more of a uh, like a goal. Uh, the 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 gamble for the mad optimist, I guess, is to show that uh, going values first uh, will succeed, um, and so that's what kind of we're trying to prove is that um, going values first and like uh, like uh, trying things out the way that you think they should be done um, that can succeed, and and if we can prove that, then I, I I would hope that that could open things up for other people to try something similar. And then also we can use our experience to help, uh, help, uh, we, we can make the mistakes first and, and let other people, um, benefit from that. We're happy to do that. <laughs> yeah. So there's one other part of this that, uh, I think is very related to values and something you've referenced uh, a couple of times throughout the conversation is the fact that you guys are all Muslim and you mentioned, uh, you know, the kosher part of it. What other aspects of faith have shaped the way that you've run your business? Uh, well, I mean, you could say that, uh, it's all aspects really um not necessarily from the point of view of like okay let's make a a muslim branded business mm-hmm. um I, I think there's a place for that um but uh, we all know that like our our community our uh like our customer base uh, doesn't necessarily just have to be muslims um i think uh, our customers appreciate the fact that we're we're open about our faith like we we talk about it occasionally on social media, uh, but we do use it more so of inserting our values into our, the way we do our business. Like um, the values you could say didn't come from nowhere. Um, uh, maybe uh, our, our faith kind of tells us to like, like think about what we're doing and why uh, and, and always strive to do better. Um, so um, we've kind of infused that into everything, like um, not allow us to, uh, like convince ourselves that something that we're doing is is fine, even if it's not. We have to identify, like, okay, like this this thing that we're thinking of doing isn't fine. Um, okay, yes, it could get us money, but uh, let's do something better. Uh, and so, always kind of just infusing that into everything that we do. Um, I, I think it, it just makes for a better company. And so, whatever your your faith is. Uh, like whoever you, the listener, or whatnot, um, uh, I would say that would be a good good way to kind of look at business or like decisions is uh, like the, we could say the clothing of the faith might be different, but what is the core of it and apply that core to everything that you do. Um, and it takes a little searching and like, uh, like thinking about like um, what that might mean in any context, but uh I think it allows us to grow a lot more um, internally and like as a company. Amazing. Um, well, this has been really, really interesting. Uh, I know it, I think I can confidently say you're the first person who's ever founded a soap company that we've had as a guest uh, on the Unmistakable <laughs> Creative. So I have one final question for you, which is how we finish all of our interviews. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Uh, uh, which aspect of it? Like, so I'm um, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's really however you want to answer the question. Well, I would say that uh, whatever you do with like such intensity and belief uh, uh, that sets you apart, um, that makes you unmistakable. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be something maybe truly unique, but um, whatever you do with passion and intensity that you really believe in, I would say that's what makes you unmistakable. That's what makes us and uh, hopefully us and, and me unmistakable is um, that our passion comes through and um, uh, whether or not we succeed, uh, while I hope that we do, uh, at least we did it with passion uh, and that's what, like we, we gave it a good shot. And, and I think that's true of like, like any kind of goal or any uh, project is, Put everything you have into it and, and do it with passion. And um, if you can't do that, I would say move on and find something that that uh, that you can do unmistakably. Awesome. Um, well, where can people uh, find out more about you, uh, your work, and everything that you guys are up to? Uh, sure, I'm I'm all tied into the Mad Optimist. That's that's the where I am. Me. So uh, the Mad Optimist dot com uh, is where you can find all about us and. 
Um, uh, we're also active on Facebook and Instagram um, at the Mad Optimist, uh, and uh, we we share a lot of our who we are and what we do on all those platforms. Awesome! And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.